Hi, everyone. This is Catherine Adams. And Elizabeth Wallace. And you're listening to Binary System Podcast number 386. And tonight, Woo! we are discussing the return of Laura Olympus, sort of. It's actually a Fast Past episode. Yes, but we had decided we were going to wait to get the last Fast Pass episode until the one before it was actually free. So, last... How many months ago was it that we re- uh, reviewed the last one? Oh, I don't even know. Time is so weird. Time has no meaning anyway, so I don't even know that it matters. Yeah, we'll probably put a link to the review where we talked about episode 252, which has now become free. So now we're going to recap 253, which is the first Fast Pass. I'm confusing the heck out of myself, but it's new oh, to yeah. us, darn it, even though I'm sure everybody else who is wildly a fan of this po- uh, webcomic has already read it a long yeah. time ago. Yeah. However, big spoiler warnings for everybody who may not have read it because we're not going to talk around the edges of this. I mean, it's not... It is kind of momentous, but it's not like giant, huge, crazy momentous, I guess. Do you agree? Disagree? I think I agree. It was the mid-season finale, and there's some big information that's been dropped, but it wasn't one of those things that made me think, oh, I've got to fast pass the next episode right now. I, I think I can wait a little while. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So we start out the episode, and... I have no memory of how the episode started out. I should probably let you start this one. Yes, uh, we finally get to hear what Cassandra's prophecy was that she told Apollo, and she's telling this to um, Psyche and Eros. And the story is that the gods had to defeat Kronos by poisoning him with an herb that went extinct. Her prophecy is that that herb is not extinct. It will bloom, flower, grow a total of 12 hours at the very beginning of spring and where it can be found. So Psyche and Eros are hearing this, and Eros doesn't know why this would be something Apollo would be interested in, and Psyche's like, Zeus. And then you see Zeus noticing on a table a cupcake that was left to him by his daughter Hebe. But, of course, it's not. And it's the note on it was, you know, Dear Dad, a sweet treat that you definitely have coming. So it's pretty obvious that was Apollo left it. But Psyche manages to call him up as he's biting into it to tell him, Apollo's getting hold of the herb that was used to weaken or halfway destroy Kronos, and we think he's going to use it on you. And Zeus is like, well, I'm definitely going to take care of this. And then you leave, and we don't see what happens. But I do think he did actually bite into that cupcake before the phone call came through. Yeah, and one of the commenters said something like, never eat suspicious cupcakes left lying around. Rookie mistake. I'm thinking, exactly. I mean, he was just so like, oh, here's free food just lying around. I mean, you would think Zeus of anybody would be a little more suspicious than that. And the artwork, while Cassandra is delivering her prophecy, is beautiful because she's holding this flaming candle in front of her, but everything around her is black and her eyes are glowing purple as she's delivering this prophecy. So really, really gorgeous artwork as usual. Yes. So we jump from there and we hear some Someone's voice behind a wall that said something like, she can see him, and it's Persephone has told Hades about the fact that Hera has been able to see Kronos for quite some time now, and this, of course, stresses him out, but they have the spring ceremony to get ready for, and so Hades thinks, all right, we're, we're going to handle this, you know, we're going to do this stuff tonight, and then we'll handle that tomorrow, and I'm thinking, hmm, priorities? I don't know. 
I guess. But Persephone tells Hades that he needs to go out and sit with Demeter before she begins the ceremony. And Hades is like, I'm sure the two of us could handle some small chit-chat while you're blessing the mortals with abundance. And then he's smiling. And then you go to him and Demeter sitting out under the stars looking very uncomfortable. And he does actually try to do some small talk by saying, wow, all this looks really nice. And Demeter says, I know, I made it. So that's going about as well as can be expected. But Hades does at one point say, I have a present for you. And Demeter's sniffing and saying, it's not really a gift-giving kind of time. But she opens the scroll that he gave her and she looks really perplexed. And she says, you're giving me the volcanoes? And this is the point where I was waiting to hear that the way he had behaved towards her back in the day when he had been so dismissive and so awful to her, I was waiting for them to explain how Demeter had misremembered everything. But I don't think that's the case. I think he actually had been that dismissive and mean towards her. He explained at this point that the volcanoes had been a present from his mother, that he felt like he was being pushed away from the moral realm, because he kind of was. I mean, Zeus definitely did send him down to the underworld. But he thought with her trying to bargain for the volcanoes, it was just one more thing people were trying to take away from him. And you add that to the fact that you know there must have been a huge blow-up between the two of them when Hades was still brokenhearted at the fact that Hera had rejected him, and Demeter is brokenhearted because Zeus had rejected her, but it told her that it was Hades who said that Hera would be a better queen. So you have to imagine that fight with both of them probably talking over each other. I imagine that caused a lot of wounds that took a long time to heal. So yeah, he was pretty awful to her in the office and it was to hurt people hurting each other. So it does kind of seem like things are maybe starting to get better, although they do still need to address the fact that Zeus lied about what Hades did or did not say. Yes, I was about to say your comment about how it's just hurt people hurting other people, and I thought, and it's all Zeus's fault. All Zeus's it's fault. Always is. Yes. yes. So we go from there to Hades and Demeter look up and they see Persephone, and she's, of course, gorgeous, and she's walking out to start the ceremony. And we have this beautiful sequence of panels done by Rachel in her wonderful style, and it kind of changes from a vertical format to sort of, you have to turn your phone on the side to a sort of horizontal format, but it's Persephone kind of rising through the air and bringing spring with her, supposedly. Yes, yes. She's obviously caught up in the moment, so you see some word bubbles that are kind of fuzzed out, and then they slowly come into focus, and someone's saying, Persephone, and she looks around like, what? And Hades says, something's wrong with your powers. And she gasps in horror. And what we see afterwards is the fact that there's snow all over everything. So spring is not arriving. Something very bad is happening. And it looks like Apollo's going to be able to take advantage. Yeah, we see him out in the cosmos again sort of asking if anyone's there and he gets the response asking if he did what he was supposed to do which of course was the herb that he left around and the voice says he'll be rewarded for your patience so he definitely was intending to poison Zeus I was thinking this entire time I was like he's gonna poison Hades so that he can have Persephone he's gonna poison Persephone so that I don't know reasons whatever no it really was what we thought he is poisoning Zeus We see a quick flash of Zeus lying on the ground after he's been found unconscious. I don't know. And 
the voice is saying that in order to hold the throne, I think, you're going to need the fertility goddess core. You may think that she's out of reach because of the contract she has with Hades, but her bond with the underworld puts the mortal realm at risk. And that means that her entire bonding with the underworld is going to be called into question. Right. So, yes, Apollo is going to be taking absolute advantage of this. And that's kind of where we leave the episode, I think. Mm, Yeah, it is. And just all these people. Oh, and of course, in case you're wondering, the voice that he's talking to out in space is... How did you say it was pronounced? Apparently it's Oranos. So you see the whole, you know, the god looming up and he's got the multiple eyes on his face and the gigantic ring around him as he's been portrayed in in, uh, flashbacks. So Oranos tells Apollo that Zeus will have to accept this as his father did. And Apollo says, and his father before him. And that's when you see Oranos, who is Cronus's father. We don't really know a whole lot about how Kronos defeated Oranos, but seeing as how Kronos is planning things all on his own, I get the idea we're going to see another battle between the two of them because I they're because I don't think Oranos is trying to put Apollo in place. I think Oranos no. is using Apollo to get himself back into power. That is exactly what I thought. I was thinking. Apollo is kidding himself if he thinks Oranos is helping him for any other reason other than his own good. He will completely destroy Apollo as soon as it's convenient for him. We can all hope. We can, we can hope, yes. And we can hope that Apollo realizes what an ass he's been right before he goes. Yeah. So You that, don't think Zeus is actually dead, though, right? No, I don't think so. Um, I think... Because the herb didn't destroy Kronos, it just reduced his power to the point where the other gods could defeat him. And Zeus, I don't think, is as powerful as Kronos was. So this is like, it's not just going to weaken him, it's just going to knock him out into a coma, possibly. We can, we can hope. And then we also, I mean, I wondered for a second there, did Apollo use the herb on Persephone to change her powers and do something like that and also throw into question her arrangement with the underworld, blah, blah, blah. But the commenters were suggesting that this could be the result of the pact that she made with Tartarus or Erebus and have something is going to be taken away from you. What if it's her spring powers? It's that. Um, another commenter pointed out that maybe this is the source of the myth about the fact that she spends half of her time in the mortal realm away from Hades and the other half in the underworld. So it's like her bond with Hades means she can't actually be with him if she wants to have her springtime powers, but Mm. she can be the goddess of destruction and death and whatever and rule over the underworld the other half of the year. So that's going to be something they'll have to figure out. Oh, man. And that would... In a way, though, that would be at least better than what we were afraid of, is that Demeter did something to keep her in the mortal realm for half the year. I would actually prefer it to be her pact with the underworld that was causing a problem, because if Demeter did it, uh, uh, There's there's not going to be any coming back for that character if Demeter actually tries to destroy Persephone's happiness after all the progress that they've made. Right, exactly. But the commenters did point out a couple of other things. When Demeter and Hades are talking, and Hades makes the comment about, I let my feet feelings get the best of me. And Demeter just says, well, I suppose that's something I can understand. You can see behind them, Minth was walking through the background. And you yes. see in one panel, she kind of goes like, gets startled and sort of runs away. So everyone said that it was Minth going, shit, 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 shit. 
<laughs> was that because she caught sight of Persephone? Because that was right before Persephone arrived. Um, I honestly think it's because she caught sight of Hades. Because I think she oh. and Persephone are probably a little bit better now that they've had some kind of discussion. And Nymph has obviously taken some kind of lesson to heart about how she needs to treat herself and other people. But yeah, she hasn't seen Hades, I don't think, since all of that happened. So I'm probably not. not looking forward to it. The other thing is that one of the commenters said that the plant, which was used to poison Kronos, looks really similar to the brooch that uh, Demeter gave Persephone, that jeweled brooch. It's almost the same design. I do wonder if that's deliberate, the idea that that would be a very special plant to her, I think, because it was a symbol of their being able to defeat Kronos. Maybe. I know that at one point when we're realizing that Persephone's powers had caused snow to fall, I couldn't quite figure out what was happening the first read-through. I figured out the second read-through, but there's one moment where Demeter, she's under a tree, and she's kind of like shivering with all the snow, but I thought she was talking, and for a second there, I thought she had made a pact with Apollo. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, dear Lord, no. no. Oh, God. <laughs> Ooh, glad to see that does not seem to be the case, but I was a little concerned about that for a sec. Right. So, yes, I am kind of glad that we waited on this for a little while, so it's not going to be quite so long until we can actually read the next episodes. Boy. So, yeah, so we won't recap next week. We will do a Night Vale recap next week, right? Right. And the following week, we'll be back on track to do one current episode and one Fast Pass episode like normal, right? I think so. I hope so. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> or, or, or we may be completely off and we'll have to do something else. God knows. Anyway. So I was going to mention this week, just real briefly, I did finally finish up the book of Boba Fett. I, I, I don't like to bag on things, but I think it is very forgettable. It yeah. has some really cool fan servicey moments here and there, but I think the writing is not great. I think some of the special effects are really lacking, especially with those stupid kids on their stupid bikes. I'm like, I oh, don't God, know, I don't care. I don't know why that doesn't work. It's really amazing. Yeah, yeah but yeah, and yeah. I, I'm afraid the comic book language, you know, like like the really unrealistic dialogue and everything, I don't know that that ever goes away in The Mandalorian. I think everybody right. speaks by pronouncements an awful lot in the series. I think that's where they seem to have settled on. Um, I don't know. I actually started rewatching The Mandalorian from the first season, and I got to the episode uh, Sanctuary, which is where they're helping this backwater town defeat a bunch of raiders who have gotten a hold of an ATST. And let me tell you, I am so impressed with how they made the ATST scary. I mean, that first yeah. shot when they're like, hear something in the woods and you just see its glowing eyes suddenly rise up as the thing stands up. And I'm just like, so damn effective. Really, really so good. Cool. Yeah, when they nail the special effects, they really nail the special effects. It's awesome. It's just every once in a while. And you're right, I did see, I did actually start the most latest season of The Mandalorian. And at one point, Grogu comes jumping out of a ship. And it just, it really does look like somebody just tossed a stuffed animal. So uh-huh, thought, yeah. You're, you're know, never, you're, unfortunately, you're never really going to get away from that, I don't think. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I'm not mm-hmm. sure how, because I'm remembering the lightsaber battle in um, Attack of the Clones with Yoda oh, and how yeah. really well they did that. And yet with mm-hmm. Grogu, it's always going to be a little, a little cute and tottering 
wandering and, and hopping and looking like someone's chucked a stuffed animal around. I suppose. Have we ever actually seen his feet? His feet are always covered up by that little robe-like thing. Have we I ever actually... don't know that we have, actually. He could just be, you know, a puppet. Well, yeah, I guess that's probably why the Yoda battle looked a little bit better. I, I think we at least saw his feet every once in a while, but it's kind of, it's easier to pretend that he's a stuffed animal when you can't see his feet. Right, yes. So, But, oh my God, that last battle with um, the attackers and friggin' Boba Fett riding a Rancor into battle. You know, yeah. you know that somebody pitched the whole season by saying Boba Fett on a Rancor, and then they wrote the rest of the season around that. Entirely possible. I mean, I remember seeing the Rancor show up earlier on in the season, and of course, what's his name, who has played all the really scary characters with knives? Danny Trejo. God, it's... (laughs) I was like, scary guy, is it with knives in From Dust Till Dawn? No, he wasn't in that one. Oh, it was was in Desperado's Danny Trejo always plays a scary guy with knives. Ah, there we go. Yeah, well, uh, now what did you think of, I think the character's name is Cad Bane. He was the um, the enemy fighter that had like a past with Boba Fett, the scary guy. You mostly just saw his mouth moving when he was uh, talking. Was he the one who they did like a, a standoff, like a, like a shoot-off? Yeah, you know? yeah. Yeah. I thought they animated him really well. I thought the character was awfully over the top and felt out of place in a Star Wars movie, even though Book of Boba Fett really embraced the whole Western theme, I suppose. But every time he showed up, I went, um, I see where you're going for. <laughs> I, I was just so impressed with how they animated his face. I don't know why. Yeah. I just thought something about how they did that. I never got pulled into the uncanny valley. I thought that was no. very effective. But you're right. He was a two-dimensional character. And finding out that he had a past, I'm like, oh, because of course they have a past. Of course. Uh, trope, trope, trope. Yeah. I did actually watch the second episode of the Ms. Marvel TV series on Disney+. Plus. It's cute. I think, and it's, it's definitely fun. The character is one of those that she's like, she's enjoying herself so much that the awkward moments don't feel like uncomfortable. You know, she's just sometimes an awkward teenager who happens to have superpowers now. So that's kind of fun. Um, and also the fact that she's part of this this Muslim community in Jersey City, and you're getting to see certain things, like her and her best friend Nadia are racing to attend whatever the service is at the mosque that they're going to and someone going up the stairs like oh it's always the same two who are late and they go to um the special it's the bathing area which has the long basin that you like put your feet into and the uh, spigot so you wash your hands and your face and your feet at the same time and i'm like i don't think i've ever seen that featured anywhere and it's interesting that they're giving people glimpses of that sort of thing and not making it oppressive like they're in the actual service and one woman has to scold a couple of girls for like no snapchatting during the service and the other one's like it's insta but you know and they're complaining about the fact that the woman's section is maybe not as good as the men's section that they're all being sequestered behind which just convinces uh, her best friend Nadia to run for this leadership position that's going to be happening in the church so it's like it's a nice little combination of things that you're not familiar with and brought into stuff that you would be familiar with so it all just feels like I'm learning 
learning something. This is this is kind of yeah. cool. Yeah, a lot of people have said that the show was really great for representation. So yeah, I, I would see even more of that. I would say so. It's cool. It's fun. I might try to I might try to finish that because I am still curious about the movie. I'm I'm disappointed that it's not doing well, and I won't know until I see it if it's not doing well because it's not good or because everyone's got severe Marvel fatigue or if it's the the, the hate boys, the guys who are just trying to bag on it because it's woke. Yeah, it's interesting that Hugh reviewed it and he loved it, but Hugh loves everything. But he said something at one point about how it's a blah, blah, blah and a bonkers off the wall space adventure thing. And I went, uh, pause. Is it goofy? I'm afraid that it might be goofy. I don't know. I feel like if it's going to be goofy the way the TV series can be sometimes, I could handle it because it's just, Mm. it's goofy cute. Okay, that's fine. But I guess that's going to wrap us up for the week, so make sure to check out pixelatedgeek.com for all the book reviews, the movie reviews, the comic book reviews, the photo galleries. Man, Hugh has, we just had a review of Next Goal Wins. It's a Taika Waititi movie about a guy who has to take over this soccer team and they're terrible, but that he has no choice but to try and make them winners. And apparently it's really lovely. But that's Hugh's latest review, but he has three more reviews in the pipeline coming out in the next couple of days. So Gracious. going crazy with the reviews. And yeah. Taika Waititi, wasn't he the one that did that Sam Neill movie, Hunt for the Wilder People? That's the one. I, yeah, because he's, he's done like a bunch of the Thor stuff too, but he's really more known for these very feel-good indie movies and TV shows, which I think is neat. Yeah, yeah, I remember that one being very whimsical, so I could definitely sign up for more of that. Yes, yes, and also I want to say the people in Next Goal Wins, we've got Michael Fassbender is in there, you obviously Mm -hmm. know him, Reese Darby, you've seen him in some things. He was in Hunt for the Wilder People, and he he, did a guest spot on um, No Such Thing as a Fish that was just hilarious. Yes, I know him because I got to interview him once, possibly twice, because he did a voice in the Netflix animated Voltron show. Oh, he's, of course, lovely. lovely (laughs) Awesome. Oh, and Elizabeth Moss is in Next Goal Wins. Oh, no kidding. uh, Yeah, President's Daughter, one of the Hemsworth brothers, but not that one and not the other one. It's the third one (laughs) but yeah looks like it's going to be cute cool anyway all that and more pixelatedgeek.com so like i said next week we're going to have a night veil episode and probably some other marvel stuff because we seem to be playing catch up at the moment yes we are and when this episode drops it's going to be thanksgiving so happy thanksgiving or if you don't celebrate happy thursday yes but one way or the other we will talk to everybody in one week talk to y'all later
Hang on. I'm going to look it up. Nope, that's not him. Must be a different one. Nope. Uh, it was not in Dust Till Dawn. It was in... Danny Trejo. 